0: by Simmons. Is the And Nagretzky. That's And a
1: Battleborn
0: Phantom. Hello and welcome back to the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Anselmo. Joined by my co-host, Nicholas Volacci and first-time guest Bryson Poza making his debut from the Section 138 podcast, which also covers the Blue Jays. Give that a listen if you would like some more Blue Jays content. They do a great job over there. Uh, but first, before we introduce Bryson to our listeners, Nicholas, it's been a while. How are you doing? And uh, too bad we haven't got an agreement yet for some Jays baseball.
2: Yeah, I mean, you said it right there. Uh, things have been good. Uh, we're moving into spring soon enough. Uh, unfortunately, that's supposed to mean spring baseball. It doesn't seem like that's the case as of right now. Uh, but no, you know, it's same old story, right? A lot to be excited about with this team. And hopefully we get to see baseball. Yeah, you know,
0: it's been such a weird off season in baseball. One that I've never really lived through. Uh, Bryson, you know, you're making your debut here. Uh, introduce yourself, but also uh, tell me, like, how's this been for you dealing with uh, the current lockout ongoing?
1: Well, Josh, Nick, thanks for having me. Big fan of what you guys have been doing ever since you guys started up here uh, in the fall. And I understand the content struggles that have been happening with the sport because ever since December 2nd to now and ongoing, unfortunately, there's been nothing. And, you know, the content, unfortunately, there's nothing there. And we're just hopeful at this point a deal gets done soon. And re- regardless, you know, this is. First labor stoppage that we've experienced with baseball in our lifetime. The last one happened in 1994, so this is new for all of us, and this is something that hopefully never happens again. But the only thing you can really look forward to is when this does end, it'll be utter chaos throughout the baseball world. It, not just the Jays, obviously, all the other 2019s. So you know, it's just been pretty much content. It's it's hard, right? Like there's not much. Players can't talk to management, and it's very very um, kind of just separated in terms of any sort of uh contact between the sides. So there's really not much to report other than looking forward to when this does end and that's pretty much what it is. But yeah, part of the section 138 podcast, a big Jays fan and happy to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right. I love how you mentioned chaos with that. Let's get today's episode started. Today's topic is options from outside for the starting rotation. So yes, we will have an episode coming out on you know hitters and powerful bad stats in the lineup we also have one for relievers but let's get started first with a name that's heavily been talked about in the media linked to the blue jays well basically because of the situation going on with the cincinnati reds but tyler Ma- Mailey is the first name on the board here he's 27 years old as i mentioned you know with the cincinnati reds last year 33 games played a 13 and 6 record a 3.75 ERA in 180 innings. He had 210 strikeouts with a 1.3 uh, 2-3 whip. Uh, this is a guy that you know has, we've seen his highs and his lows uh, since he's entered the majors. He's certainly got a lot of good stuff to work with. Uh, if you look at his uh, preferals, you know, his exit velocities and expected ERA are all in great tier shape. Uh, he does struggle with his chase rate and his walk percentage, but uh, you got to think that, you know, He's playing with the uh cincinnati reds i'm sure that he can have some positive regression with that if he does come over to the blue jays um he's got a three-pitch repertoire uh between his four-seam fastball his slider and his split finger uh he uses the four-seam fastball 53.1 of the time which i found pretty interesting and it tops out at 84 miles per hour so nick let's get started with you tell me would you be interested in melee
2: uh, I think for the right price, it'd be uh, fantastic. I don't know uh, where I'd spot him in the rotation just as of right now. I think he's probably more of that back end starter. Uh, and I think that's that's not a problem, right? We have some strong arms in our rotation as of right now. So, you know, no shame in falling behind one of those guys. Um, I will say that, you know, obviously he's coming off uh, one of his better years, I think. I mean, obviously it was the year that he probably got the most amount of, uh, you know, action. to say he did throw 180 innings the most of his career. So, you know, you're seeing a guy who's starting to get his uh, feet settled in at this level. Uh, I think he'll be fine. Uh, he should translate and have similar success uh, next year. Uh, but again, it all comes down to the price and uh, what kind of deal it would uh, be built around. Like whether it includes a second arm or another bat, you know, I think that's kind of something you want to play with. I don't know if you trade for him straight up or how much that would cost you. But yeah, I think if the price is there and, you know, the office shows interest, I don't, I don't see it being a bad move at all.
1: All right, Brayson, what about you? Would you be interested in Mailey? You know, I think pretty much a lot what Nick said is obviously very true about the price. And I think it's not necessarily a, you know, it it really, it's hard to say of what happens afterward. Like it's really, because you know, as much as the front offices can't contact these players, they're still planning towards when this does end, what they're going to do. And I, I do wonder if things change over time. Uh, if they're going to maybe go in a different direction when this ends, or if they're going to go right back at it. And apparently right before the lockout did start, this was something that the Jays were pursuing. However, it's unclear if this happened before or after Kevin Gaussman. So maybe the Kevin Gosman signing did change that. I wouldn't be surprised if it did. And like what Nick said, like, where does he fit in this rotation? You have four guys right now that are set in stone. Uh, I won't go in order just because I'll just randomly listen. Jose Barrios, Hyunjin Ryu, uh, Kevin Gosman, Alec Manoa. And that fifth starter spot is still up for grabs. And it, it's really up right for, yeah, right now it's up for grabs. You have possible options with Nate Pearson, who's been very un- or unreliable with his health. Who knows if he's in a reliever role this year. You have Ross Stripling, who's always hanging around. And you have other internal options as well. So that fifth starter spot, not in order. There is that open spot in the rotation. I do wonder if the Jays try and fill that out. Now, If is it a go-to option when the lockout ends? I don't. No, for sure. I still think position-wise, that's where they're going to kind of start and then kind of work their way to the pitching because the rotation right now is pretty strong, even without someone like Maley. So that's why um, you do wonder and kind of evaluate the other options. And there's so many other options. You were talking about the Reds in particular. This is a team who is, seems to be ready to shop their veteran players and seems like they're going to be going in that direction. Sonny Gray is also available, who you're going to get into. Luis Castillo, that's, a t- that's actually a, a – that the jays have known to be interested in in years past as well so it's definitely a reliable arm and you look at his numbers from last year too they're not going to blow you away but it's definitely um it's definitely serviceable i mean a 375 era you can't go wrong with that near the lower end of your rotation again so the jays could make it work and it definitely depends on the price are the reds going to ask for more after the lockout are they going to decide to hold on to him a lot of things might change afterward here but beforehand that's the impression that we got is that the jays were pursuing this again unclear if it was before or after Gosman, or if that didn't even change anything but the one thing for sure and i think the message that we all got here was regardless of what happens the jays do plan on getting another starter when it's all said and done well i love how you mentioned the cincinnati reds and uh the names that we were going
0: to be talking about uh now that we kind of went through mailey i guess the consensus answer is if it's the right price we're all three interested I think uh, that's an interesting name. I think, you know, the coaching staff here in Toronto is certainly uh, one to have faith in, and I think they could definitely fix the walk percentage as we've seen them do in the past with, uh, you know, arms that they've kind of refurbished. But with that, let's go to the next guy on the list here, and that is, Posa hinted at him, Sonny Gray. Uh, he's 32 years old, also with the Cincinnati Reds. In 26 games last year, 7-9 and record, 4.19 ERA, and 135 innings. 155 punch-outs with a 1.22 whip. Uh, the thing about Sonny Gray that always intrigues me is, you know, we've seen him at his highest, but we've also seen him at his lowest. But he does have a six-pitch armory between his sinker, his four-seam fastball, his curveball, his slider cutter, and change-up. Uh, he uses the sinker most at a 29.3% uh, percentage, which is not really common amongst, uh, you know, MLB pitchers in general in this modern era. But uh, his forcing fastball is kind of what scares me a bit. His velocity's kind of taking a hit as he gets older with regression. You know, that's that's bound to happen. Humans are humans. It's topping out an average of 92 miles per hour now. Uh, Certainly a serviceable pitcher. Uh, You're just not getting him at what he once was. Uh, We've seen him, like I said, at his highest and lowest. We remember his tenor with the Yankees. Uh, It was an albatross. Uh, then he went over to Cincinnati and really found his game to closer to a form, which we saw with Oakland. So, you know, the Jays have a pitching staff here that I think is very reliable. So I have no uh, problem with taking the risk on Sonny Gray, but you got to think that there is some, you know, outside stuff to consider. Uh, he has a 36% chase rate, which is, you know, in the tier of poor, uh, his fastball velocity isn't, you know, very good. As I mentioned, compared to league wide, you know, uh, I guess grade A starters, but uh, his ERAs and uh, you know uh, K percentage—they're you—they're in the higher echelon. So um, that's something to notice. But uh, this time, let's start with Bryson. Uh, I know you're very uh, antsy on sunny gray like me. Tell me, would you slot him into this Blue Jays rotation first before we get to Nick?
1: Again, this is a cheaper option I think that the Jays can pursue, and maybe it's something that they do in kind of a bundle. I'm not sure. But um, I think for Sonny Gray in particular, I think this is something I put lower on my list. I think this is a good maybe plan C, plan D. There's going to be lots of available arms. There's going to be lots of available options. So even if that's not a, the case of the order, the Jays have lots of flexibility and lots of options. And that's definitely a guy um, that they're familiar with. I mean, he's pitched in the A at least before for a couple of years. We, did, we do know it didn't go the greatest when he was with the Yankees a couple of years ago. But he definitely seemed to found it, or find his ground. When he went to cincinnati he was an all-star in 2019 and uh, last year as well he was pretty serviceable just an era just above four around 4.20. his fifth was actually below four showing that he was actually unlucky to a certain extent so we know the stuff he brings he's very familiar again and we know the days when he was on oakland that was pretty much i guess the brightest moments of his career and at least it was to start but then of course the last couple of years in cincinnati he's also found a good Um, spot over there, and he seems to have figured a lot of things out. So the walk percentage dropped last year for him, which was good. Uh, The strikeout percentage was there. The ground ball percentage was down a little bit, too. So his mechanics overall have been improving over the past couple of years, and you wonder if he maybe comes back to the AL East if he's going to have a better go-around than he did with the Yankees, because with the Yankees, it was a disaster. It really was, and he was pretty much a guy that they almost booed out of town and were very uncomfortable sending him to the mound. So I do think this is something that maybe it's a fallback option i wouldn't necessarily think it's on the top of their list um i think trevor mealy is definitely or definitely a better option i mean for for sure and for Sonny gray you know you, you wonder if what he's going to bring like he uh one thing with Sonny gray is for his, the course of his career he's been known to be inconsistent he's been up and down he's had really good moments he's had some really awful moments and there's been times where he's been mediocre so that's why i do think it's a good plan c plan d option and uh, i mean it's something that the jays definitely got to keep in the back of their head
0: yeah nick what about you what do you think about the addition of sunny gray to the toronto blue jays
2: okay so i might be the odd one out here but uh i'm gonna go ahead and say that i'm not as big on the idea of sunny gray as a blue jay you know i was i was high up on him when he was in oakland um but i think at this point you know this is age 33 season uh last year it, it was solid but nothing you know exceptional. Uh, he is on a team-friendly deal, I uh, might add. I think it's like $10 million for uh, the 2022 season, which isn't crazy. But I just think he's too inconsistent, in my opinion. I mean, if we look back at not only, you know, a year-by-year basis, but even if we go off this year alone, you know, pre-All-Star break, he was, you know, pitching to a 319 ERA. Uh, but then you look, take a look at his post-All-Star numbers and he's up over five, right? And it's not even just like hot streak and cold streaks. Well, I mean, it's exactly that, but it's even month-to-month based, right? He started off, well, 5.93 in April goes on to have a 2.2 and then a 3.5. Then July, it's, it's up near six and he has another season above or another uh, month above a five year. So I just think that uh, in that back end, I think if you want to take a risk and, you know, have that potential option that could be a, you know, high risk, high reward kind of scenario, I think that maybe that's your guy. But I think if you're looking for like a stable force in the end of that rotation uh, in the back half, I think you're going to want someone a little more uh, that's shown that they're capable of being more stable uh, day in and day out.
0: Yeah, you know, that. I like how you mentioned the inconsistency because that leads us right to our next guy, and that is Luis Castillo. Uh, Castillo is by far the big name for pitching this offseason with uh, the Cincinnati Reds rumor to be blowing it up. Uh, Luis Castillo is a guy that I've known very well for instance, that we all know uh, on this podcast. Uh, age 29 in 33 games last year, he had an 8-16 and 16 record, a 3.98 ERA, uh, 187 innings, 192 strikeouts with a 1.36 whip. The problem with Casillo, like I said, inconsistency. Uh, it's really been trouble for him. Uh, it's really prevented him from being in that upper echelon as that ace material. Uh, there was a lot of talk about his mechanics trouble uh, last summer. Uh, I remember there's a whole like debate about his arm when it would come across his body when he was throwing, kind of being dead and affecting his command, which was a huge problem. He had a really bad start last summer, but he really found his groove in the middle of the year. You know, the changeup was solid. His slider improved. Uh, his four-seam fastball actually touched 100 plus. It was 100 to 101. His average right now for his fastball is 97 miles per hour. Uh, per pitch but uh with like his command you know it became decent as the year went on and that was something that a lot of people didn't expect he had a really nice back half um but the sinker is basically his biggest problem and we've seen what pete walker has been able to do uh in the past when he takes on these kind of projects and i think castillo yes you're going to get in a bidding war you're going to have to part with some pretty big assets but I think you know the management team we got here and the training staff and everything they've done to guys like Robbie Ray, I really think that they can turn this guy into an absolute stud uh, because he certainly has the talent. And this would be a game changer for the Toronto Blue Jays. But this is a top tier pitcher where if you're talking to me about a fifth starter, I don't know if you want to go out and spend as much as you're going to have to spend on him being a fifth starter. But this is a guy that, if you do land him, there is high potential that he could give you ace plus return. And uh, we know he's not afraid to uh, show his flashiness. Uh, we've seen that's dirty pitches throughout his career. He's had some phenomenal uh, phenomenal performances. It's his walking percentage has usually got him in trouble. And uh, that kind of took a positive regression as the year went on. But uh, definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Nick, tell me, how do you feel about Luis Castillo? And uh, what do you think uh, his fit with the Blue Jays here is?
2: Well, I think you hit it dead on. Uh, Obviously, exceptional talent. Uh, The guy's only 29, right? So he's right in the smack middle of his prime. Uh, He's exceptional, no, but I think you're right. If if you're looking at a back end kind of arm, this might be above the price point that you're looking for, right? And I think that comes down to what you want, I think, is it more important to address needs elsewhere, or is it just double down and throw everything you've got into your starting rotation, which is fine, like, that could definitely, we've seen it work in the past and it could definitely work again here, but I think it all just comes down to what they want as a organization and what they believe will make them uh, the best that they can be. You know, are the resources better allocated here or are they better allocated elsewhere? Regardless, Castillo's proven that he's elite, Uh, you know, his advanced metrics pass the test, he is prone to the occasional inconsistent month where he gets lit up, but, I mean, you know, that's just part of the uh, experience with him. But overall, I think, you know, he's, he's exceptional. You know, anybody who has him in his rotation would be more than happy. I think on our team, he'd probably be, I would say, probably number three. Um, I mean, he's probably good enough to pitch like a number two or number one on any given night, but I'd say overall probably around number, uh, number three. Um, but, yeah, again, it just comes down to how much they're willing to part with. And if that's what they're looking for. I think they'd probably be a little more conservative with that fifth spot, but uh I guess we'll have to wait and see to find out.
0: Yeah, you know, you you mentioned a lot there that I think works really well uh with what I think Poza's gonna say. Cause I know Poza's been very vocal on uh, Luis Castillo, so let's send it over to him. Poza Luis Castillo, can you see him at Roger Center this summer? What do you think about the fit
1: I do think it's possible. I mean, this is also a team who's shown interest in him before, and the one thing with this front office regime. Is that they like to circle back on guys that they've shown interest in beforehand. That's something that they do. You look at the Kevin Gosman signing, for example. He mentioned uh, the previous winter the Jays gave him a long-term deal. They gave him an offer. I think it was around two or three years. It might have even capped off at four, but he decided to go back and take a qualifying offer, and a panned out for him because look at the payday he got this year. But that's the one thing the Jays have been known to do, which is why I'm very intrigued by this, along with the infielder in Cleveland. I'm not. We'll get into that a, another time, but just because of that example of previous interest, I could see the possibility that they do circle back. And you know, out of the names that you've mentioned so far too, you, you look at uh, the previous names you mentioned, this guy's probably gonna cost the most uh, from uh, besides the other two that you mentioned, he's got two years of control as well. So it all depends on the market. Like, I don't know if they were actively shopping Castillo in particular before the lockout started. So again, plans may have changed afterward, and it all depends on the market that they're setting for him. The only one that we really truly know that the Jays did go after was Mailey. Um, so that's why it definitely is intriguing. And if it's not after the lockout, maybe at some point throughout the season, you never know. It's really almost imp- impossible to predict what it's going to look like, especially right now in terms of the middle of the year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they circle back on him. It's just something that this front office has been known to do ever since they got here. In 2016 is to always kind of circle back and keep tabs on guys that they were previously interested in well i love
0: how you mentioned
1: that because
0: uh you know chad cool is uh available for service and you know just throwing that out there chad cool that's an underrated option but we're not going to end up with that please no um but you know as we kind of wrap up our experiment here in cincinnati talking about their uh basically over half the rotation (laughs) for sale uh let's fly over to oakland but i just want to say first just to wrap up cincinnati i kind of get the mixed vibes from the fan base um you know if you look online a lot of them were not happy that the rumors about them rebuilding they feel that they have a lot of top prospects to compete uh they think that they have you know a good team there in cincinnati and with the expanded playoffs coming or hopefully coming Uh, they don't like this and I'm sure guys like Joey Votto aren't going to be thrilled to go through yet again another rebuild Uh, we know in baseball those are dark days uh, you know extremely dark days and they're very long so it's interesting to see Cincinnati kind of turn to a blow up obviously they're not you know smashing payrolls like the Dodgers but I really didn't expect them to uh, really go full rebuild because we've seen what like guys like Jonathan India did last year and uh you know they look like they have a promising future a lot of top prospects there in cincinnati so just credit to them uh it's interesting to see which way they go because i think they can go either way but i think they still have a good enough core to at least uh, fight for wild card spot because we know that division isn't very good and uh you know look at who they're playing against within there so um with that like i said let's go over to oakland for two names two names that have been all over the media Uh, We've talked about him on our first ever episode of this podcast, Nick, and that is Sean Mania. Sean Mania is a very interesting name for a lot of people. He's 30 years old. Uh, In 32 games last year, he went, uh, he had 11 wins, uh, a 3.91 ERA, 179 innings, 194 strikeouts with a 1.23 whip. Um, He uses a three-pitch repertoire his sinker is his heavy pitch he uses it about 60% of the time. Actually, uh, his changeup is 24% of the time it tops out at about 85 miles an hour. So it's, you know, it's around league average, uh, his curve ball is actually really effective though, in terms of, uh, you know, that final pitch to get the case. Uh, he has a good ratio on that, but he only uses about 15% of the time. Uh, it's about 83 miles an hour. So it's definitely not like lights out stuff that I think, you know, would have fans drooling over uh you look at his preferals, he has an elite walk percentage and uh his k percentage is also in a good tier same with his whiff rate at 58 percent. but you look at the other stuff like it's not the greatest in terms of his ability and uh, the mobility of the pitches uh it does look like he has a potential regression here coming uh you know oakland is oakland so it wasn't really expected for him to get an extension or stay here long-term. So I'm not surprised they're going to be shopping him at the top of his value because we know what they do over there in Oakland. But, Nick, tell me, Sean Maniah, we know that you are in on him. Let's start with you. Uh, do you see the fit at Roger Center, and uh, would you make him uh, a vital piece of this rotation?
2: Okay, so my stance on Sean Maniah, I don't want to see a move for him unless it includes Matt Chapman, and that's kind of my stance on him. I don't think now don't get me wrong I think he's a very solid very decent pitcher I just don't know because again he really brushes me as like the very inconsistent type you know which is a theme here today but I feel like with him it's very extreme especially when you look like you mentioned his peripherals they're not great they don't really support you know an average pitcher and I mean you know, he did have that flash in the pan in 2019 where the guy had a 1.2 ERA over five starts, right? So, I mean, clearly he's shown that he's capable of that. And I think that's kind of what a lot of people get stuck on, even myself included, because I know that he has stretches where he looks like a top 10, top five pitcher in baseball, you know, for those selected starts. He goes through it every year and it always happens. However, you take a step back and you look at everything, you know, I don't know if this guy is game changing, really. I don't know if that's what we can expect don't get me wrong he can certainly pitch to that level i just don't know if that's what you should expect of him right and i think that's kind of what you got to consider because if this is a team that wants to compete in the al east and you know you know go compete for championships uh i think that's kind of what you have to look on like can you rely on this guy when it matters so like i said i i think when i would be a solid addition i think he's for sure probably your number five i wouldn't slot him ahead of any four uh any of our other four pitchers um, I think he has the talent of, you know, a number two, number three. But where his peripherals lie, uh, in even his ERA plus, you know, he's, he's about an average, about an average pitcher in that regard. Um, I think he wouldn't he wouldn't hurt to have, but like I said, I don't think he should be like the main plan A uh, in terms of who we should pursue.
0: Yeah, what do you think, Bryson? Would you take the f- current Oakland Athletic, who seems to be on his way out? as they uh, look like they're changing direction big time in Oakland.
1: Every player on the Oakland A's is expendable. And that's why Nick's point makes so much sense, that if it's not including Matt Chapman, I don't do this deal either. Because you look at his numbers, you look at the inconsistency, you look at kind of how he's been, you know, he's been good, he's been reliable, but he's never really taken that step, you know, that step up to almost being elite. So that's why I do wonder with that one, and I kind of hesitate a little bit. Also note to mention, Josh, you're making it very hard on the front office. I don't know if you knew, but both are actually represented by Scott Morris. So, (laughs) I mean, unless it's, again, unless it is for Matt Chapman, because that's another name here, you know, we've talked about, and you guys specifically, I remember listening to one of your episodes about Jose Ramirez, there's also alternatives to him. And you look at someone like Matt Chapman, who's going to cost less, but if you're thinking about doing a deal with Oakland, you have to imagine that you're going to go after more than one asset, just knowing their mindset that they're gonna be trading a lot of their players. And they pretty much flat out said, I mean, you look at pre- people they've lost this offseason as well, they're pretty much expected to take a massive step back this year. So that's why it doesn't surprise me. And if you're really looking for a Manaya type of pitcher, there are pitchers on the free agent market that could maybe bring you the same thing that he brings, which is also why if it's not for Chapman from what Nick said, because I think he nailed it right on the head, you don't do it. And that, I mean, you know, you have names like Yusei Kikuchi, Another name that the Jays have previously shown interest in. And there's um, among another huge class. But people like him and as reliable as him, there's other alternatives out there. And, you know, again, bringing in him, maybe you bring in Matt Chapman. And the one thing I think that is going to be really crucial here when this does end is that uh, as of today, it was actually reported by Joel Sherman that the Jays actually got the okay to increase their payroll even more. In 2022 and this is coming after the kevin gosman signing and the Jose Barrios extension now the specifics aren't known we don't even know what the the luxury tax threshold is going to be this year yet but that's the one thing to keep an eye on is that this team is still motivated to spend big and they're still going to make that push you know you have people that you still have to replace on your team as a whole and adding to that rotation as much as it's already solid right now to make it even better for that last spot is definitely something that They're going to look to and that also goes for the bullpen as well i think there's a couple names out there for relievers that are definitely going to be or targeted from the front office so shamanaya alone even though the one thing he's always been known for in a good way is that he's always been good with this command he's always been good with that he's never really had issues with that but if you're getting him just one especially if he only has a year of control i believe he's actually a free agent after next season in 2023 i believe so and if it's not, it's 2024. Both represented by Scott Boris. you got to be careful, and that's why I think if you're going to do it, and you're going to pursue Oakland and go after Oakland, you got to go after them with more than just one asset coming back the other way. Oh, good old Scott Boris. Uh, Let's not go on that topic. Bear traps
0: everywhere. We'll be here for a while, I believe you. Um, Trust me, you guys don't want to listen to that. So, uh, you know, you did mention alternatives a lot in your segment there, so why don't we go to last name on the list also part of the oakland athletics and that is chris bassett uh 33 years old 27 games played last year 12 and 4 record a 3.15 era and in 157 innings 159 strikeouts with a 1.06 whip uh the thing that stands out to me is you know he's got a heavy armory something similar to sonny gray about six pitches between the sinker four force ball cutter change up and his curveball uh, his forcing fastball uh, the velocity is all right ninety three miles an hour Cutter actually though has an eighty nine mile per hour uh, average, which I think is pretty interesting. He uses it eighteen percent of the time uh, between his changeup and slider he uses them about the same about a ten percent for both uh, with the curveball being his punch out pitch uh, you know it's been effective for him uh, he does attack the lower part of the zone very well uh, he does have trouble when he elevates his uh, you know command and up high does tend to run into some interesting outings, but there's no doubt that this guy probably has the safest floor. If the Jays were to go out and acquire a guy like Chris Bassett, you know I think Castillo out of all the names we mentioned probably has the highest ceiling in terms of giving us ace quality stuff. uh You know probably closest to a guy that could win a Cy Young here in Toronto if he did come over. Um, but you know you look at his preferals, a 32% whiff rate, which is in the poor tier. Um, got an 88% hard hit percentage, which is poor as well. Um, 81% walk percentage, which is around league average, but his K percentage is great. It's about 60%. So he does have some flashiness to his game. Uh, Certainly an interesting add. I think as a fifth starter, he might be a premium fifth. Uh, There's no doubt about that. But uh, in terms of, you know, the Oakland Athletics, and you did bring up, you're going to have to target more than just one usually, because I'm I'm assuming they're going to ask for a pretty nice uh, return in terms of uh, young players and prospects because we know that they manage their cap uh, or their cap, their payroll very uh, condensely and it's very tight. Uh, they don't like to spend as much. If you guys watch Moneyball, that movie describes it perfectly for all that want a visual on that. Um, you know, this is a team for years that has been known to spend. So uh, this time to start with Poza. This is our last name on the list in terms of starters today. So we're getting close to the end of this episode. Tell me, Bassett. What do you think, and can you see them in the blue and white threads?
1: Definitely improvement fifth starter, like you said, and yeah, I mean, if you do that route, if you go that route, that's another one that's going to cost you a lot. So, you know, the thing that conflicts me on this is that you've ar- we've already mentioned two other A's in terms of Minaya and uh, Chapman here. You know, you got to be careful in terms of exactly what you're going after, because that's a lot of names, and you're not going to get all three of those guys, or all at least two of those to be exact, you're going to get one of these guys, because that's really all you need is for your rotation, so the Jays have to prioritize here, and they really, it, it's going to go to the fact of what the market's going to look like, because Bassett himself, a 315 ERA last year, just wanted to shout him out after the recovery that he had, after what he went through near the end of the summer, when he pretty much fractured his face, and came back and pitched that and continue to finish the season with the a's uh, that's a massive shout out to him and his story last year so that's another one he's got he's actually a pending ufa after the end of this year as well exactly what do you how much are you willing to spend for a guy that you're only guaranteed to get a year from the jays really have to prioritize and really look back and think of how they want to approach this because it's either him or mania if they go this route with oakland it won't be both so that's why um, you, you do wonder, you know, there's, and the other thing you take away from this is that there's so many different possibilities of potential trade packages that you can put together here, because again, there's three guys here and most, you know, preferably you are going to include Matt Chapman, one of those guys. So, I mean, there's no question the stuff that he brings and how elite he is, Chris Bassett. And yeah, I mean, a premium fifth starter, you might even have to bump them up to four or five, I'm sorry, four three or four uh, at the highest. And that's why that's somebody who shouldn't be probably a fifth star on any team. So, you know, that's, and that's the other thing, you know, as it from the Jays perspective, are you really going after somebody? Do you really need somebody that good, or do you need a middle option? And that's really what they have to kind of set their mind to. And we didn't really get too much about this, unfortunately, prior to the stoppage other than Trevor or Tyler Maley from a few days, a uh, few weeks ago, the report. So that's why it definitely interests me. But, For some reason, I don't, I'm not as high, not, not on his potential, not uh, just not as the Jays or not for the Jays getting Bassett for some reason. Yeah, that's completely fair. Uh, Nick, what about you? What do you think?
2: Okay. So I'll say that similar to the Minaya thing in this case, I don't actually think they make a deal for Bassett unless it includes Chapman. I think that if they're making a deal for Bassett, they're going full all in on the season. They're going to want. Uh, to pick up an infielder or place the whole either third or second and Chapman fits that I think if they're going to make a move for a pitcher like Bassett that means they're going to be parting ways with some pretty decent prospect capital and I think in that case they're going to want you know to add a little on top to get make sure they get someone like Matt Chapman um you know like Post was saying I think that uh without a doubt that I think it's more likely they go with uh you know a melee or a or a combination of you know those tier pitchers, I think that makes more sense given everything right now. I don't think this is a team that needs to add another front-level starter, nor should they, just from a simple perspective that it'll be expensive to retain. And I think that given that guys still have to get extensions like Bow and Vlad, I think they're probably going to lean towards uh, that middle to lower tier starter uh, zone and just get cheaper, reliable options moving forward.
0: yeah i agree honestly you know you and poza both spoke on they it have to be more than just you know the guy himself whoever they bring in uh it's gonna have to be chapman i guess is an interesting name because we've seen you know his ups and downs as well as uh regarding to him um you know i would love to see him with the jays i think that's a perfect fit uh you know that's obviously an a plus third baseman if you're just using him as a throw in for a trade for an arm i'll take that any day of the week um i think you could fit in this Jays lineup pretty well uh even if he's in that mid-order kind of role i think he can do pretty well and that just pushes everybody down a bit and provides depth throughout the lineup that you know maybe he could potentially give us good enough performances that maybe he replaces simeon simeon himself and obviously i don't think he's gonna smash 50 bombs but you know, if Vladdy builds off of what he did last year, which a lot of people have talked about regression and Vladdy. Throw that out the window, please. That is a guy that I'm looking at first overall on fantasy in my draft. This guy, I'm telling you right now, I have no doubts about it. This guy's posting on his Instagram. He's dedicated as ever. He's going to build off it. We all know when you're a star, you want to achieve the next level, and he's just putting in the work. So I have no doubts about that. So, you know, I think there's guys like Boba Bichette who are also going to step up in terms of replacing Simeon. So a guy like Chapman, yeah, he's not going to scream replacement numbers just by looking at his counting stats in terms of home runs and all that stuff, but look at Simeon when he came over, right? Like, Simeon, we got the over and above. I don't think anybody thought Simeon was coming in here and smashing 50 bombs. Nick, I know not mean you talked about that on the first episode. Bryson, please interrupt me if you were thinking that he was going to hit 50 bombs. Um, You know, he certainly had the talent, no doubt. You know, he's a highly touted prospect when he's coming up into the majors, but he really broke out with the Jays here. And I think a lot of that's credit to the coaching staff we have here. And I wish him the best in Texas, but he is gone and it's time to move on. And Bryson, we've had talks about this off camera and off recordings. It's time to move on from Simeon. And uh, it's now time to look at how we're going to replace him because, you know, you got to move on. Baseball's coming closer. Hopefully uh, they get that agreement soon. But Simeon's gone. There's He's not a free agent anymore. He's locked up for the next seven years in Texas. So he's done. It's time to move on. And I really think that Chapman could be an ideal piece. But I don't want to go too much further into this because I want to save that for our upcoming uh, you know, version of the offense of this uh miniseries as we go through this lockout. But uh Bryson, anything you wanna add before we begin to wrap up this episode of the Battleborn Blue Jays podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean I just wanted to quickly add on to your point. Yeah uh, this is a good lead into the next episode because you know, Nick, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like as much as th- these pitchers that we discussed today are very good options for, you know, adding to that final spot for that rotation, you know, I don't, you know not in order, obviously, just because who knows what it's going to look like. But I feel like adding the infielder right now or adding another bat for the reason for Simeon is more important. I think that should be the first thing they address because when you look at it per uh, baseball reference, Marcus Simeon's war was 7.3. In my mind that's seven wins that you have to replace and i know you're going to get half of that with the healthy springer i'm assuming he will be healthy and that other half is when you're going to have to look to people like matt chapman jose ramirez and again not too much into detail about that i just wanted to say that for sure of course and that's pretty much been the lingering point of you know the hole in this roster right now and they haven't had the ability the opportunity to fix that yet which is why i still think that once this does end that's going to be the priority before they kind of divert to pitching i'm not saying they're going to go specifically on order but maybe they first prioritize um and then keep tabs on pitching as well so you know before i guess i hand it off to you nick if you want to add anything else and i guess back to you josh too since you're going to close things out you know i nick we, we spoke off like off camera of when you think or if you think a deal will be reached by monday so i guess i'll just ask both of you when is your prediction for opening day in 2022
2: Uh, Josh, you want to go first or do you want me to answer first?
0: Uh, You go first because I just want to finish off with uh, one more thing about the pitching on
2: this. Yeah, sure. Uh, Okay, I think what will happen is I think we're going to get some form of delay, um, but I don't think it will be too extreme. Like I don't think the season will start more than maybe three weeks later than it was supposed to. So I think we'll lose some time, but I don't think it will be that much. I think especially coming off, you know, the COVID year was only two years ago. You know, there's still a lot of restrictions as of last year. So I think the players and the owners both know that they kind of have to give themselves a full year of just at least, you know, the close thing to normalcy they've had in the past couple of years. And I think that it'll end up happening. I don't know which side's going to give in more. I don't know how that's going to get worked out. But I have a feeling that, you know, as the scheduled date approaches, I feel like that's going to put pressure on both sides and they're going get something, to get something together.
0: Well, to answer bryson's question first the ideal date I have in my mind is the first week of May, uh, the reason I think this is because. We are going to get some sort of delay i'm sorry to all the believers out there i'm going to crush your world here, I think that's uh, false hope. Um, you know i'm just being realistic I i've kept track on all this stuff I don't think I think everything in the media is just telling us yeah yeah yeah. It's good it's good positive positive. Show me some positives first like, let me see i'm, I'm a believer in seeing not the rumor stuff so uh you know commissioners there today (laughs) shows all over twitter so uh maybe we're going in progress that's always a good thing but i think the first week of may is an ideal uh target because i think the players are going to want some kind of form of i guess a preseason slash spring training i guess definitely not too long you know we saw in the short season with covid they kind of bypassed that but i can't see them doing that again so i think we'll get maybe an abbreviated one maybe like a 14 day one in the middle of april or something like that in terms of an agreement i think it could be soon actually i think within maybe two weeks span to three weeks like you said nick i just don't think we see opening day until maybe may 1st to may 7th but to wrap things up here i just want to finish out here with the last question for both of you guys the reason you know i've spoken on this podcast a lot uh pitching is definitely something that makes me nervous uh Obviously, because it is the highest risk reward type position in baseball, Uh, you can have a pitcher that you think is going to be a completely safe option and give you, you know, solid numbers. But then there's years where they can fall off a cliff, like literally a cliff. And we saw that with Ryu this year, just to give you an example. Um, You know, you look at this Jays pitching rotation, Stripling currently penciled as the fifth guy if there's an injury which is inevitable somebody in the starting five can get hurt potentially in three at a time we know the jays have battled injury troubles in their most recent seasons every team does uh it's going to come down to depth and that's usually what we see from the good teams the dodgers have about like 10 pitchers that can start in anybody's rotation and that's you know i better hope to see that if your payroll's that high but um you know are you guys comfortable with the amount of arms we got here and this is where I kind of lean in, if the J, like all the options, I'm okay if the J's just bypass each and every single one, if the asking price is too high, but a guy like Kikuchi on the open market, or maybe more cost-effective options where they aren't really giving up assets, and essentially, if you know what I mean, uh, kind of just cost-effective, I guess more quantity over quality, because I don't, like, yes, another big-name pitcher coming in, like Luis Castillo, that would be, that's the sexy ad, right, like that is the jaw-dropping We got another awesome arm here but (laughs) yeah like we got a great ad like that's like you know people are going to be amped up about but i just think the more under the radar kind of shallow types like what we saw with robbie ray i think you know the hidden gems the low risk high reward type of arms that we see and i think there's a lot i think the jays are one of those teams that you know values that and we've seen like right they look at simeon and robbie ray they took advantage of two guys that were way below their market value and i think that they're going to do that a lot and just to hint at a name that always comes to mind is andrew chafin and uh, that's going to be on our reliever episode but you know he's a guy that's been super reliable throughout his career he's not really the big even though his numbers are really good he's not really talked about as that big reliever uh, free agent mostly because he doesn't have the saves Uh, he's only had about six and i think about like couple hundred appearances which is not the big sexy ad in terms of free agency you know owners and stuff like saves and all that management teams so they don't really have that appeal but i think Chaffin's a guy for example that i can see as a tease for a reliever episode but what do you guys think because i'm sick and tired of seeing you know the traditional uh you know i'm not going to say any other names because they all give me a headache but i'm sure you guys know who i'm talking about hint, hint uh, goggles no offense to people who wear goggles but uh, when I see him starting, usually in double headers, I always get nervous and uh, definitely do not bet on the Blue Jays. So tell me, <laughs> Thornton, um, Nick. Let's start with you. Do you think the overall squad depth here with this rotation is reliable, or are you like me, like would you rather more quality over quantity, or would you rather a couple low options that you know you never know if you find a hidden gem? Remember, this is a fifth starter, right? So this is a guy that potentially moves to the pen during the playoffs as well. So he doesn't have to be, you know, a superstar. Nick, let's start with you before we end off this episode.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I think if we look back to their, the front office's recent history in terms of what they usually do in this kind of situation, we've mostly seen them just kind of get guys who are, you know, bottom of the barrel, kind of prove it deal kind of guys. Um, And not even like starter wise, I'm talking like for the relievers, like, you know, you get guys like David Phelps uh, and, you know, those uh, echelon of players, Uh, the AJ Coles, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's kind of where they've gone in the past. Um, but I think now I could definitely see them. My prediction for what they're going to do is I think they're probably going to acquire, whether it's via trade or via free agency, um, a back end like solidified piece. And then I think they signed one more uh, pitcher on kind of like the Stephen Matz kind of deal that he got uh, when he signed with the Blue Jays in terms of like a uh, you know redemption, prove it kind of thing to somebody that they think they can help turn around and that guy could end up filling as like a long reliever similar to Stripling or you know maybe the back end starter. I think you kind of have to do that. Um I don't know if you really want Stripling to be your first line of uh recovery, let's say, as soon as one guy goes down. So I think you probably want to fill that fifth spot and then even get one more. I think that would probably solidify you in a comfortable spot and then the the bullpen is for another episode, but I think you still need a couple pieces over there as well.
1: Yeah, what do you think uh um- I think you know if you look if you bring in this rotation now minus the injuries I'm confident with the confident with it even if they don't add anybody but to the point of what you guys were saying I do think it is necessary for the for the fear of a possible injury the only thing I will say to partially contradict your point is Kevin Gosman is somebody who's been very durable throughout his career as much as he's bounced around he's been pretty good at staying healthy. Jose Barrios as well is another guy who's, who's stayed healthy ever since coming into the league. So those are two guys that you feel confident with. And if Kevin Gosman gets hurt this year, then it's just simply a Blue Jays curse. Uh, if I don't mind
2: me interrupting for one sec. My main concern with the rotation injury-wise would definitely be Han Jin. I think that's the only guy that I'm like not 100% certain I, like, I can pencil him in for this many starts. Everyone else, I have no problem with.
1: He's getting hurt. Let's be real. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was okay. going to bring up Let's next. That's, yeah, that's a question mark. I mean, you know, 100 Ryu, this is the same guy who went on a phantom I Elston at the end of the year to try and figure things out and had to come back and pitch against the Orioles to regain his confidence so that's a question mark for me and it's a question mark for everybody else ever since that start in Cleveland last year I think it was the end of May it just it felt it did a complete nosedive and not really really not sure what happened other than obviously regression but it happened very fast and was very concerning so that's a name that you want to look at this year as much as his I guess his responsibility and his role will be lower. You, he's got to rebound in some sort of way. There's got to be some sort of middle ground between what we saw in 2021 to what we saw in 2020. And I think that's pretty serviceable for a three, four starter. So you have that Alec Manoa, he's young. You don't know exactly what's going to happen with him. And Ross Stripling though. On the other hand, he's another guy who had two injuries since last year, and he's been somebody who's known to get hurt. So if there is a guy or a couple guys that go down. Yeah, you you might be in trouble because if you're looking currently right now, and if you're looking right now in AAA, there's Nate Pearson. That's an option, but we all know his history as well. He might even become a full-time reliever. So this is something that the Jays have to address. They have to kind of add up a little bit and they will, they most likely will get that one starter. The question is from what you were saying, Nick, is if they go on and get that other guy, which is definitely a possibility. So I wouldn't be surprised if that does happen, but again, taking away the injuries if they were to roll with these five right now i'd be pretty confident other than the fact that you still you could make obviously the debate for that fifth starter which we did today there's lots of names available so that's why it's um, definitely exciting to see with this rotation yeah one thing i just want to finish up on ryu here uh before we get to say goodbyes
0: um you know ryu is a guy that i speak very harshly on only because i was so amped up when they signed him um you know a lot of unfair criticism on my end but one thing i'm actually going to kind of go on the good guy phase here and you know i wish him the best uh, i was going to buy his jersey uh you know just last year uh but one thing i've noticed that kind of has gone under the radar is Hunjin ryu actually is looks like a whole different pitcher when his buddy's behind the plate danny jansen who was struggling last year to stay healthy uh, Kirk really didn't help with that making a name for himself, and we all know uh, parking lot Reese McGuire over there. Uh, you know he got a lot of playing time as well. So Danny Jansen looks like he's going to get more games if he remains healthy. Obviously, he's still in the Blue Jays' plans. Um, you know the catcher position is always uh, up for debate, and especially because Danny Jansen doesn't possess that bat that a lot of people prioritize. But I think that there is a little bit of faith there with Ryu. Uh, with his boy back behind the plate because we know that they do have pretty good chemistry and that is Ryu's favorite catcher so you know I have faith in that aspect but certainly I wouldn't bank on his health because you know he's just been really unfortunate in the last recent years especially since he came to Toronto so it's always like he's going to have an IL stint at some point and it's really disappointing but there's no doubt in my mind that he does have a potential to bounce back maybe not the numbers we once saw I'm not saying that he's going to Turn five years younger now and just throw absolute heat, but definitely some serviceable numbers where he could be a, a top echelon number three, maybe, or a number four in your rotation. Um, but yeah, I'm not really expecting the world from Hanjin. But with that, um, you know, we went through arms today for the starting rotation. Uh, next episode should be about the bats, and then after that, followed up with relievers. We are determined to bring you guys content during this really dark time with the lockout. It has been really hard to talk baseball because, really, there's nothing to look forward to. It's it's not something we've ever dealt with. It kind of feels like this is the first day of the offseason, just over and over and over, uh, without teams making any sort of moves, and nothing to literally look forward to at all. Um, So hopefully that changes, but uh, any last words from uh, you guys? Bryson, let's start with you. Thank you for joining the show today. Uh, We are surely going to have you back in the future. Uh, We love what you brought to this episode. Uh, any last words?
1: Thank you for having me for both of you. And I guess I'll end it with this because all off season I've been sticking to one point And I feel like if I change course, I'll be a coward. So like Rob Manfred said, as much as he's a liar to the media, the one thing he said that I am, I am an optimist. I truly believe there is a pathway based on what we saw today, as much as the progress is very minimal maybe that's all they needed to get going they got to start somewhere all off season everything's been in terms of bad faith there's been absolutely no progress until today somehow i still am holding out hope for march 31st i'll end it off there
0: all right i love to hear the episode end off on a little bit of positivity thank you bryson uh nick what about you any last words
2: uh no you know this was a exciting episode to film uh it's good to be back i think uh you know we have a couple more things we get to cover uh in the near future uh can't wait to touch on the hitters uh but no yeah things are gonna look hey Ram. Well. <laughs> oh, <man>, hey man <laughs> so honestly honestly i think that'll be an interesting topic because personally um i from what i've heard about where his market's at i low i'm slowly starting to fade on the idea of Ram in the jays uniform i just think but that's a discussion for another day. That's a discussion for another day. Bouncing
0: off the just thinking about him hitting an absolute missile outside of right. I know,
2: I'm I know. But regardless, other than that, uh, no, this was a good episode. I enjoyed having you here, uh, Bryson. It was a good, it was a good time, and I'm sure you'll be back. Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. And Josh, just want to say, as much as Nick is kind of slowly fading off, Jose Ramirez, there's a name that is continuing to get steam with the Jays, and I'll give you a hint: he's Canadian part Canadian. I think you know who I'm ready.
2: Talking
1: about. Oh, that is going to be an interesting hitter.
2: Well, is going to play third base again. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Okay.
0: <laughs> Save that for the next one. Listeners, you got a tease there. I'm sure you guys are amped up for the next one. We'll bring it to you guys really quickly. Don't worry. Uh, that's all from us here at the Battle Born, uh Blue Jays podcast. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we look forward to big things coming in the future. We have a lot of stuff and uh working on pro uh, and projects that are actually gonna be really interesting uh a lot of the visual stuff and th- cool stuff like that and you know maybe some guests so um thank you for that and uh, thank you all for listening if you did make it to the end of this episode i hope you enjoyed it talking arms is always a very in-depth conversation because these are such high leverage assets that can you know we, we don't really know what we're getting you might think you're getting an ace he might turn out to be uh, a 70 or a kind of pitcher. So it's definitely uh, an up and down kind of topic, but the batters and the power bats and all that lefty stuff to bring to the Blue Jays is going to be so fun to discuss. So let's end it off there. Thank you all for listening. That's all from us. Go Jays go. See you guys again soon.